0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Joshua chapter 14. It's a privilege. It's an honor always to stand behind the sacred desk, but I've got to arrange the furniture. I always try to have that testimony I come into your house. I rearrange your furniture spiritually and I want to link in. Uh, It is a great Uh, blessing to be in this kind of an atmosphere it's one of my all-time favorite places to preach in uh, 44 years of ministry and I want to link to the theme of our uh, rally men for the times and I'm just going to adjust or tweak it a little bit and I want to preach men for their times And I believe that for such a time as this, we absolutely, strategically, wasn't an accident, wasn't a biological uh, quirk or just some accident that you uh, came to be. But I believe that the God that spoke to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb and I ordained you to be a prophet in, uh, in his generation, uh, we could put our name in that uh, spot as well. God knows you. He's, he knows that you're here, and I hope to be used by the Spirit of God to goad you or stir you that God wants to uh, absolutely have it play out what Daniel prophesied in Daniel eleven thirty two, 32. The people, or the men that do know their God, shall be strong and shall do exploits. Before we read our text, I'd like to give you a, uh, a saying that I hope that you'll write in the memory files of your brain. It is by seeking the path of least resistance that makes both rivers and men crooked. The easy way has always had an appeal, great appeal to the flesh. But, men, you will be most grateful not only at the judgment seat of Christ when He reviews your record and passes out rewards, but if we have time, if Jesus gives us more time to serve him on this earth, and as the chapters continue to go by and turn the pages of our lives, you'll be most thankful that you uh, laid hold not of the easy path, but you took the straight and narrow path that God sets before each one of us. And we're going to look at Caleb. Uh, I want to just dub The Caleb Christian Approach. My title is is Ages and Stages. Ages and Stages. Joshua 14, verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance, and thy children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day eighty-five years old. As yet... I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said, God, help us. God, we bind the thief of the word. Bruise, I pray, God, the serpent's head. God, exalt your son, Jesus Christ. Stiffen, God, our backbones and help us, God, by the power of the Holy Ghost to do the will of God in this perverse generation. We ask in Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. I want to look at a quick overview. We're going to use Caleb as a model for our lives. And as he passes on the stage of Scripture, there's three distinct um, uh, stages uh, that we can uh, handily divide. We can look at his youth. We can look at his midlife and his old age. From his uh, birth to 40, from 40 to 80 is midlife, and then as he lives out the remainder Apostle John also has these three demarcations in his letter, 1 John 2, he mentions little children, young men, and fathers. And I want to address each stage of uh, the Christian life, as it were, the new convert stage, then the slogging it out in the dog days of midlife, and then and ending our race well in old age. You know, very few men or biographies that are contained in the scripture pass completely through without blemish. Caleb is one of them. It's been said, I'm going to quote Richard Ruby, I heard him say, <laughs> if, you, if you look this up on Little, little Lord Google, blame him if if he's telling if he's Pinocchio but I don't think so he said there's a hundred biographies in scripture 80 of them don't end up well so when we're looking at this man we're not just looking at a historical man a man that uh, makes you know the hall of fame of faith but also we're looking at a man that has an unsullied testimony in the eyes of God and man and we're not kept uh, in the dark about this. There's a reason, uh, and we can cite the mouth of three witnesses. His own mouth, Moses' mouth, and God's testimony, most importantly, enshrined in five words. He wholly followed the Lord. We can read that in a scant second, but let it sink in. He wholly Followed the Lord. All the ups and downs, the ins, the outs, Caleb never entertained divided loyalties. I hasten to say he was not a perfect man. There's nobody that's perfect except our Lord. But he does fit into that coveted category we find in 2 Chronicles 16:9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. "...upon all the earth, beholding both the good and the evil, that he may show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him." And again, that word perfect doesn't mean sinless. This is not something that's beyond any of our uh, opportunities. This is something that, that speaks of a goal that all of us could have and fulfill... It's talking about a heart that's perfect towards God is a heart that's wholly loyal. Someone that's truly tapped into what has always released miraculous help. When when we talk about Caleb wholly following the Lord through all the different trials and testings, really, he got the lesson that Jesus had to impress upon Mary. All Scripture is given by divine breath, and he inbreathed. He he breathed the inspiration into his human instruments, and so when we find that uh, Jesus first worked a public miracle, uh, it wasn't by accident. It was at a wedding, and in this wedding, they ran out of the uh, mirror. They r- ran out of the uh, wedding beverage, and Mary comes. She uh, no doubt. Uh, had been traumatized in her own uh, background. Remember the cloud that has always been over Mary and Joseph uh, uh, all of her uh, adult life since uh, she birthed Jesus. So she is at a wedding. Commentators believe that's probably a relative of Mary and Jesus. That's why he would have been invited. (laughs) But Jesus showed up with about six or seven hungry disciples. You You know, those kind of fellowships. you're invited and I remember Joe Campbell one time I told him I said brother you've been so kind and generous I want to pick up the tab tonight and so I thought it was just going to be him and Pastor Mitchell really I thought I was going to impress Pastor Mitchell and uh, and when we showed up uh, he had about 20 of his disciples (laughs) yeah I know he's uh, I know you're going to get me but that's all right I, I can take it from my older brother. But anyway, so Mary comes. This is crucial. Mary comes. They have no wine. Picture. She's been traumatized about what's happened. If, if, if this couple starts their, uh, their marriage journey, so to speak, off on the wrong foot, this could really, this could really be a cloud over them. Mary's had that. She's feeling it. She comes, and probably because Jesus brought some extra uh, guests that weren't on the, on the uh, guest list, and they've run out of wine, and so she, she's, you know, she might have been stamping her foot. They have no wine. <laughs> Do something, son. You know, and then Jesus, if I said what Jesus said to my mom, Whack! What have I to do with you, mom? <laughs> Whack! That would have been my, my fate. Uh, but she got it. Don't miss it. She got it. You're never, you're never going to have a lever on Jesus. You're, even if you're, you know, by, by relationship, by bloodline, uh, you don't ever... Uh, hector or 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 force Jesus to 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 fix or clean up the mess or to take care of the uh, the human uh, uh, problems uh that's not what gets God to move God doesn't move because there's a need God moves when there's faith and obedience and so she uh quickly got her mistake and she turned to the servants and said whatsoever he says whatsoever Jesus says do it it's not complex rocket science. It's very simple. Obedience is always the key. There's a saying that, um, that I was fortunate to pick up when I first got saved, and that saying goes like this. God only works for what he's put in charge of. we love to have Jesus in the back seat, or maybe even in the trunk, in case we have an emergency all right, all right, don't get so intense, Jesus. We'll give you the, uh, we'll let you, uh, you know, we'll let you ride in the, the front seat. He's not going for it. He's got to have the wheel. Yes. Yes. I confess freely, I don't, like, I don't like yielding the wheel. Whatever he says, do it. That release, miracle power. Caleb got that lesson. He got that memo early on. And that can be our secret as well. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and you do not do the things that I say? That's not just a question for his day. Jesus gave us a parable along this line to just, um, you know, to highlight this in Matthew 7. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You know as this applies to Caleb he's been described as the great heart of the Old Testament, and his chief distinction is that he never stopped growing. The years passed, the calendar pages came off the wall, and as the years passed, his light didn't dim like so many does, but only served to increase his stature in the eyes of man and God. So I want to track this man through a couple of stages, the three stages first his youth you ever heard the saying it's a shame that youth is wasted on youth <laughs> admittedly there's some mysteries about this you get married then she tells you oops i've uh, skipped a cycle and then the little tummy starts growing and then you feel that little fish inside her belly that starts squirming in there and and then this miracle of you know of uh what takes place in the womb and then out of the oven comes this little creature that looks like an alien at first and (laughs) and uh maybe you have a couple of them in succession and then they all leave just when you figure it out how to raise kids (laughs) There are mysteries about this. But it doesn't have to be so when it comes to spiritual uh, secrets. There's another, young, there's another common saying among men, and that is, learn from your mistakes. You ever heard that one? I want to show you a much better way, because the truth is, you don't have time enough to commit all the mistakes yourself. Much, 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 much better learn from the mistakes of others. If you really think about, so much of the Scripture was given to guide us along and just be guide rails to keep us pointed in the right direction. And many of the uh, examples that are there in the Scripture tell us about how people messed up, how they blew it, and that's not just there to fill a few pages in a book. That's there to absolutely keep you and I and transmit to us invaluable advice. When I first got saved, uh, a brother in the Prescott Church said to me way back in 1974, they, he said this, this to me, Mark, keep your eyes on two distinct groups of people in the church those that do extremely well, and those that don't. Do what the people that are succeeding in their Christian life, do what they do, don't do what they are doing that are messing up. How profound, eh? That's great advice. If you have somebody that is... They have been able to maneuver and navigate uh, through years of ministry, years of service in, in the church where you're at. You have a treasure. You ought to, you ought to really study that person's life and the attitudes and, and uh, habits of that person. And uh, that person can greatly, greatly advance your cause. But on the other hand, you're going to encounter people that mess up and not to criticize them or to feel condescending towards them or, uh, or anything like that, but learn the lesson of what their life tells you. I was saved in July of 1974. I pretty quickly plugged in, and um, uh, and I began to track this guy. He seemed to be doing tremendous. He was preaching in the door scene. Uh, he was my favorite preacher at the time. When he preached, people got saved. I mean, the guy could move you. And, um, and uh, so then all of a sudden, he dropped off the radar. And I didn't see him for maybe a month. I was working at this little place called Yellow Front. I was out breaking some boxes on the dock. And I saw him across the street, and I yelled, "Hey, brother! Hey!" And I ran over to um, talk to him, and I said, "Hey, brother! Uh, I haven't seen you around for a while. Did did Pastor Mitchell send you out?" And. Uh, he says no, and the way that he said no, there was something like was weird in his eyes. There was like this spirit, and I, and, re, and I remind you, I'm a brand new convert. I I haven't encountered backsliders. I really uh, I can't even imagine at that point in my in my experience with Christ that any, I didn't know the word existed really backslide. Uh, I got saved powerfully, and uh, I jumped in with both uh, uh, both feet, and uh, and I'm going for God. And this guy was, uh, you know, he's he's missing. In action, so so then I, when he says no, no, and I said, Well, are you or your wife sick? Why I haven't seen you at church, and he said, No, and suddenly a tear begins to form the corner of his eye. He says, I'm not coming to church anymore. I go, What do you mean? Why? He says, well, I, I said, what do you mean? Why? I said, you were being raised up. Everybody was saying that you're going to be the next guy that's going to be sent out. What do you mean you're, you're not coming to church anymore? What? He says, well, it's true. I was being raised up. He says, and one day the devil came to me and said to me, I'll leave you alone if you quit contending for the ministry. And again, this is, this is intense for me. As a tear rolls over his uh, his uh, eye and drips down. And as he turns from me, then he shot back. And he said, I just wanted to be left alone. And he walked away. Well, I tracked his life. He brought about, maybe about 20 people down with him and somebody that... Uh, Uh, I used to go to that guy's house for Bible study, ended up getting back into drinking. He was driving a Jeep between Prescott and Baghdad, Arizona, and he drove off the cliff and he went into eternity. And God spoke to my heart and taught me something I never forgot, and that is that if you won't fight the devil, you're going to work for him. (laughs) So We don't have a whole lot of Caleb's early story, but we do know this, he survived the whip of the taskmaster's lash in Egypt. We know that he came out with that first generation that was led by Moses out of the old life of Egypt, going towards the promised land. We do have one defining crisis. You know, you can't tell... Everything about a man's life by a crisis, but you can get a read on the guy's character. He was selected as one of the original 12 spies to go in the Promised Land, and their assignment was to go and reconnoiter the Promised Land, come back with some samples of the fruit and, and some description of the inhabitants. So, uh, Numbers 13 2. Send you men, Moses, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, the point is is that leaders don't just happen. They usually rise to the surface. The cream rises to the surface by distinguishing themselves by their testimony, by their character, by their, um, uh, you know, by their fruits, Jesus said in Matthew seven, "You shall know them by their fruits." Now, as this man marches across the stage, he has the testimony from God that he had a different spirit, Numbers fourteen twenty four. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, another spirit with him, and he has followed me fully him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. We never find Caleb amongst the uh, skeptical murmurers, nor do we find him lusting for the leeks and the onions of old Egypt. Now, those are two categories that will kill your destiny graveyard dead. Think about that word. You know, the English language has some, really does have some doozies. Mur, mur. Just, doesn't the word itself just sound odious? You miserable mur, mur. That's a dead. That's a deadly, deadly atmosphere to get sucked into. Um... I remember Pastor Mitchell, he said grousing and belly aching is contagious, and he preached a sermon about, uh, we're like sheep, and sheep have a propensity to pick up something called head scab, and it really is like a disease amongst, uh, on their head, it's like a, a skin disorder, and the problem with this is, is that they'll have a tendency, they don't, <laughs> when they've got a uh, head scab, they don't self-isolate. Uh, what they do is they go into the midst of, of, a, of a group and they start button heads uh, and start rubbing their head. Uh, I guess they're probably trying to scratch the itch on somebody else, exactly. And, and uh, they'll transmit it by that. Uh, it's contagious. And, and uh, it's just such a vivid picture. Watch out. When someone tries to headbutt you uh, with murmuring. I think it was Wes Baker said in 1974, the first revival I ever attended, turn a deaf ear to peddlers of doubt. There's there's always going to be somebody. That's got some, you know, some uh, stinker. <laughs> you know, they're like a, they're like a, they're like a kid that's carrying a bomb in their in their uh, their pampers. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're totally breaking covenant right now. <laughs> and you turn a deaf ear to peddlers of doubt. Remember that. Only Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. They confessed and they believed the promises of God that are yes and amen. The majority report, on the other hand, they loosed a negative, miserable spirit of unbelief that spread like quicksilver. But let's not minimize that because that that derailed an entire generation that was entering into destiny. So God... Absolutely, the will of God is to possess the promised land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to dispossess them, the giants. I'm going to knock down their their uh, resistance to you. I'm going to work miracles. The same God that destroyed the superpower Pharaoh and his armies. I'm with you in this. Open the Red Sea. I'm with you in that. Gave you manna. I'm with you in this. I am totally, totally. uh, uh, I'm even yearning to help you and get in the in in the midst of the fray with you and help you, Um, and uh, these guys... had seen many of these miracles uh, and yet as they uh, as they uh, took stock of the giants uh, of the land uh, they uh, allowed unbelief to overwhelm them they uh, they did not uh, turn to God in that uh, and that spirit absolutely took them out of the game never forget this uh, God they limited the Holy One of Israel uh, They t- unbelief uh, tied the hands of God you know sin is not the worst thing that you can sin is not the worst thing you know what's the worst thing unbelief why because God can work his way through sin with us he can convict us we can repent Uh, we can get back on track we can do right but unbelief absolutely freezes out Jesus could do no mighty works uh, in his uh, hometown uh, because of their unbelief and it caused God himself to marvel you know what you have absolutely short-circuited divine power by your unbelief. Don't do it. The other characteristic we can comment on, beware of the old diet. Leeks and garlic. (laughs) What, What a thing to miss your destiny over. Onion breath. Are you kidding? What is that? You know what that is? That's the spicy the racy, the old, you know, uh, zesty uh, ingredients or, you know, spices of the old life, sin has some pleasure, sin has some zing to it, um, but uh, the truth is, um, is that these guys, when they're uh, supposed to be marching along in their, uh, on their, on their way to the promised land, and, and, and what God's will is clearly, um, They begin to long for the old um, uh, diet, um, and uh, so this is something we need to think about, um, and that is uh, really lusting for the old life. When you're in a trial, when you're having to walk with faithfulness, uh, uh, not by sight but by faith and, and the sure as you're here this morning uh, you had uh, an old life you had some things that you were involved with uh, that familiar spirit will come back he will uh, begin to um, uh, stir up uh, only the fondest of memories uh, he'll definitely uh, block out uh, the memory of the uh, uh, the taskmaster's whip uh, uh, of all the, the torment the vexation uh, that was there in the old life uh, he'll cause you to have him am- about that, but he'll stir you up. Uh, oh, wasn't it cool? Wasn't it good? Wasn't it uh, uh, a good scene to just, uh, you know, what? Um, grab for the gusto, you know, get a, crack a cold one. Uh, uh, you know what? Um, uh, whatever else was your little habit list. Um, and, you know, while I'm here, I think it's good that I would remind you old Samson. You know where this is going? He was a he man. Samson was the kind of guy maybe that would be at the gym with the mirrors, you know? And, and I don't know. I just kind of see this. He was a he-man with a she-weakness. Ooh. How, you know what's weird? How come it only kill Ooh, over there. Well... This is a very confused generation. I'm not, but get out of there, Olson. Get out of there. So I'll remind you, Samson could handle the lion. The lion sprang out on him, this lion. Samson could kill the lion, but then he went back and he got the honey out of the dead carcass, which is a violation of the Nazarite vow. But the point is, uh, is, uh, is uh, very clear. He could, he could handle the lion, but he couldn't handle honey. You, you, are you following my sign language? Second Timothy two: flee also youthful lust. Flee also youthful lust. So I'll leave that. You know what? Uh, there's some other gleanings here, and that is that he had old-fashioned courage when the crowd was agitating, let's dump Moses as our leader. That's never good advice. Somebody that's been faithful to you, that has served you, Helped you to get birthed in the kingdom of God, uh, was a father in the faith, um, uh, invested in you, and spent time and trusted you, and and then what? You you get too big for your britches, because what? You got fifty people now, you're self-supporting, and now you don't need your father in the faith, or maybe your church has even got uh, you know uh, comparable or whatever, uh, and uh, and you're going to dump Moses. It's never a good idea. Let me tell you that, and so uh, and so they want to dump uh, Moses and return under another leader to Egypt, and and the problem is is that most everybody is crickets, just crickets. There's nobody uh, speaking up um, until um, the silence is broken by Caleb. Joshua was with him in this, uh, and they spoke up. You know, one of the most intense trials or tests for young people uh, is that we crave popularity, We want to be accepted by the crowd. We want to fit in. You know what? Who wants to be a weirdo? But in case you didn't get this memo, when you became a Christian, you are not going to be voted as king to the prom. I don't care what you were before, but you know what? Them uh, as a Christian, they persecuted Christ. They're going. They that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. So if the devil never hits you about, if you're not under some kind of somewhere, something that uh, people are, uh, you know, giving you a hard time, uh, then I question uh, uh, the intensity of your Christianity or the sincerity of your Christianity. And and, uh, there's a little uh, quote that I'll insert right here. Sometimes silence is not golden, it's just plain yellow. but not with Caleb. You know what, Caleb said, in your face, spirit of antichrist, that's the spirit that we're facing, the intimidating spirit on every hand, you know, again, it just, it's sickening that, you know, when somebody will stand up and speak uh, for Israel, and I don't wanna get, waste any of my time on all on, on these nuts, and now all of a sudden they're, they're embracing, uh, you know, Islam, they're embracing the Palestinian cause, get, they got their little scarves, uh, you know, and, um, and, uh, and now uh, they're going along with that spirit, and some, so somebody rises up, somebody from Hollyweird uh, rises up and smacks them down, and, and so then, um, you know, they, they jump on them, and they get on, you know, and I don't approve, I'm just thinking about this as I'm, I'm going along, I don't approve of Elon Musk's language. Now, having said that, <laughs> I really dig his moxie, <laughs> 44 billion, <laughs> and he's going to ruin uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter, whatever it is, and he says, up yours, I'm not... You're not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna hold me uh, hostage and, and take me blackmail uh, uh, and use blackmail on me. Uh, uh, you think that in this um, in this uh, generation, this cancel culture, woke spirit. Uh, uh, absolutely not. Um, uh, you can take it and put it where the sun doesn't shine in Mississippi. Uh, uh, I'm not going for it. Now, if a sinner can have that, I, I, I grant you, he just happens to be the richest man in the world. And, uh, you know, what's 44 billion amongst friends? <laughs> but he's got backbone. And you know what? As Christians, uh, that spirit of Jesus Christ uh, can fill us with boldness and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, And absolutely, one of the things we're going to have to navigate um, uh, is the uh, swift waters um, of intimidation um, and the spirit uh, of uh, Antichrist in our faces. He will try uh, to intimidate. You know what's the key? was that he never lost his sight of the promises of God. Numbers 13, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You know, this brought a counterattack uh, against both Joshua and Caleb, but they made their stand. Numbers fourteen seven. they spoke uh, unto all the company of children of Israel, saying, the land which we possess to search it, it is an exceedingly good land, and if the Lord delight in us, again, get the the tenor of this, uh, what caused these guys to maintain their balance. Uh, Hell is is coming at them um, six ways to Sunday, but what kept them on track and on course um, is they kept um, their eye on the promise of God. You know what? It's a good land. Uh, the Lord delights in us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Um, their defense is departed from them, uh, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The difference, um, the ten majority uh, group of spies, they gazed at the giants. Uh, the two, Joshua and Caleb, the minority report, uh, they gazed at God you gaze at the giant you're going to be filled with dread you know the two that gazed at God had this philosophy the bigger the giant the bigger the loaf they said they are they are bread for us. The, the, the majority said, we're just like little grasshoppers, and, and our defense is, you know, we don't, you know, and they're going to they're gonna mop the floor with us. And, and the two that had their eye on the Lord, um, they said, uh, these guys, these giants um, are bread for us. Now, they all saw the same thing. What was the difference? Um, how do you see the opposition? If you see the opposition measured against yourself, um, it's going to skew totally towards um, uh, that majority report uh, of paralyzing unbelief. But if you see the opposition um, against God, the omnipotent God, those meatheads will become your meatloaf. (laughs) uh, The name, by the way, Anak... (laughs) Anak means long neck, and so these giants evidently had long necks, and I would suppose that is to support big heads. So anyway, if you're in a place uh, this morning, you're young, hold on to your faith. Amen. And if you find yourself like Peter, who began to sink, Peter lost his, his direct sight, direct line to Jesus. He began to look at the Wind and the waves. And there's two facets that we all must constantly deal with. As Peter's trying to do the supernatural, like we should try to do, um, uh, he said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. When you get a rhema from God, yes, this is the word of God. This is the destiny of God for you. Step out of the boat of so called security. Take the risk. Uh, go for it. And God will supernaturally hold you up. But Peter, uh, he got his eyes off Jesus began to uh, look at the uh, circumstances. There's two facets you'll always deal with. The waves um, are the physical dimension, uh, and the and the and the wind uh, is the spiritual wind. You can't see it, but you certainly can feel it. Uh, the waves is the physical. The, uh, the wind is representative of the spiritual. Uh, both of those uh, factors, both of those um, uh, opponents, um, can be overcome by looking to Jesus Christ. And today, I know that you're some, there's some just there's a a, a select. A number of people you are in a sinking spell maybe you're a new Christian you're in a sinking spell and I say to you do what Peter did and take a page out of his book call out on the Lord this morning let's look at Caleb in his middle age this is a passage or rather a phase that has its own unique trials and tests both in the physical and spiritual realm. Let me tell you something. Psalms 91, verse 6. There is a destruction that wasteth at noonday. There is a sapping of strength and stamina that as you march faithfully along with God, the middle innings will try to feed on your vitals and take its toll on you. And there's a good reason they call it midlife crisis. If all of a sudden you who have been driving a Prius... Very conservative, mindful of the cost, and now you trade that in for a red Corvette, and now you grow, you're bald like I am up here, so you compensate, you grow this little, ridiculous little thing in the back. And then you open your shirt up and your three hairs, that, that you dye you know, you dye so they don't you dye them as in black or whatever color, uh, maybe blue, I don't know, and um, and so they don't see that you got gray, and 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 then you start having one of these thick chains around your neck. Um, you know what? Uh, if that's uh, what uh, what you have and you see going on in your life, you would be blessed if you had a friend that hit you with a baseball bat. <laughs> Psalms 141 verse 5, let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. Hey, if you have a friend that is in his 40s, midlife period, the middle mile, let's call it the middle mile, and all of a sudden he cashes his 40, his wife, his 40, he cashes the 40 in for two twenties. 20s. And he's doing, you know, talking craziness. Uh, you know what? Um, be a real friend. Uh, Pastor uh, Mitchell spoke about last night. Get a baseball back. Give him a good crack. <laughs> Caleb passed this with uh, flying colors. He never lost his spiritual integrity. You know what? Um, he was shackled, as it were. And this is one of the hardest trials you're going to have, especially in the mid-innings of your Christian life. Is when because what other people have done, this holds you back, or this uh, causes you not to be able to experience, some, uh, you know, the plan of God, the fullness of God, and it's a very huge trial. And that's why, man, you can appeal. Can we all like? Can we all like leave this place and say, we're not going to cash in a forty for two twenties. Like you know what? Don't change the Bible. Like all of a sudden you've got a new soulmate. No, no, no. And and so uh, that because it it hinders. You know. We've had a few splits in our history, and uh, we could, you know, the saddest words of tongue and pen are the words it might have been. Let's not, let's, you know, like those guys that went through those chapters back then, some of which were really close friends, some of which, to be honest, were my heroes, uh, I would prefer that we did learn from their mistakes, their bonehead mistakes, uh, and that we just uh, uh, love what God's given us in our fellowship, right? Let me tell you, brother, in the middle innings, uh, be careful that um, uh, Jesus said, blessed are they who are not offended by me. The hardest part of the journey is the middle mile. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience, uh, that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that will come will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So I've got 30 seconds to tell you that Caleb uh, also navigated old age. Here's a man that he reaches 85, and he says, you know what, Um, I really do believe, Joshua, as you're passing out the promises, and uh, I really do believe that God saved the best wine to last. This guy tapped in. If there's ever a fountain of youth, he tapped into it. You know what it is? Um, You don't pull your slippers on and go into spiritual retirement uh, when you, I don't know, what is it, 50, you know, what's retirement age in America now, 66 or 68, or you know what, for some of uh, the younger guys, you're planning on retiring at 20, and, um, and so, you know, don't, don't lose the fight. And you know what? This isn't hoorah hype. This isn't, you know, hoorah. Uh, what this is, um, is this guy said, give me a mountain, man. I don't want a valley, some obscure place where it's, it's cushy and laid back. Um, I want a challenge. You know, I want to close. We have Pastor Mitchell as our, uh, we don't have to go way back to Caleb. We have Pastor Mitchell. Pastor Joe Campbell and I went up to see Pastor Mitchell and, uh, you know, shortly before he died. And it's one of the most, Precious times in my memory. We're, we're eating and we're sharing, we're talking. And as we get up to go, you know, it was in the height of COVID, and as we got up to go. Pastor Mitch, you know, I don't, I was like, man, should I be wearing a mask? Brother Campbell and I, was, should we wear a mask? Man, what if we give him COVID? Wow, we're gonna, <laughs> they'll kill us for that. We got to his house. He Get that mask off. He, he, was, he wasn't worried about it. And so we're having grand fellowship. And, but I'll never forget. We're going out the door. And he, 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 you know, I was like, how do you, you know, pastor? And, and, and so he pulled me in close. And he gave him a hug. And he said, Alston, I hope they let me preach at conference. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Can, hey, wait, wait. Can you guys keep a secret? I whispered, Pastor, you can preach in Tempe anytime you want. <laughs> don't 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 tell Pastor Greg on me, okay? <laughs> Let's welcome we got Amen. Hallelujah.